Hi, I'm Deirdre Veldon and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a daily podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. Among the people most affected by this crisis are children, and especially teenagers. Lockdown has put a stop to the activities that define teenage life, education, sports, and above all, socialising. And now teens and their parents are facing into a summer without many of the time-fulfilling activities we normally take for granted. It definitely is a problem. As you say, it's to lament to teenagers there's nothing to do on board, but in this instance, they're spot on. <laughs> you know, and sadly, uh, it is a problem, and that's why there's opportunity to, like us in the society, become aware of how big a deal this is. On today's podcast, I talk to psychologist and Irish Times columnist John Sherry. John is an adjunct professor of psychology at UCD and co-founder of Parents Plus, a charity that develops parenting programmes with a focus on mental health of parents and their children. John talks about some practical things parents can do and avoid doing to reduce the stress and boredom many children will be feeling by now. Later on, we'll also talk about the strain adult relationships have been put under by lockdown. What I say to people in, in those situations is just to expect that, is to expect that your relationship's going to be under pressure and all, you have a very minimal goal. Your minimal goal is to just get, get through this civilly, you know, in a way, <laughs> with a bit of patience. John, children and teenagers have been locked up for months and we're just starting to experience their first stage of freedom now and being able to meet their friends again, albeit with, with uh, restrictions still in place. Is this going to be difficult for them? Yeah, no, I, I think um, it is difficult. Uh, I think, uh, you know, what ha- in, in throughout this crisis or the lockdown crisis, uh, there's been less uh, an awareness of the uh, the impact on young people and children. I, I think when it initially started, people were highlighting the, the need to care for older, appropriately to care for older people and people who are vulnerable with illnesses. And we locked down our families. Um, but that's had a very big impact on children and teenagers and young people uh, in particular, I think, who've sort of lost most of their life, really. a lot. Their lives are very social. Their lives are all about friends. Their lives are about going to school, um, much more so than adults to, to some extent, particularly they're having their formative experiences often if they're uh, in, in secondary school or where their formative experience with trips, with uh, doing the school play, these are all these very, very important experiences and they just all suddenly stopped for them. So I think it's a very important to acknowledge just how difficult that is for children and teenagers. And although they're coping and there's a lot of resilience, the impact of that is is more longer term and chronic and loss. Uh, uh, and, now, uh, and now as it's starting to open up again, I, I don't think that's just gone away because it's not suddenly opening up and back to normal. What we're talking about is a very different world, a very still very restricted world, which albeit small tastes of freedom and so forth. So I think it's continued to be difficult. In a way, is this a bit harder um, because it is probably easier to impose a very strictly controlled um, lockdown and set of restrictions? And um, when you have that little bit of of room for movement, um, does that become a very difficult thing for both parents and children? Um, Well, I think it's better than than uh, I think uh, like I think it's better to have a freedom a little bit of freedom and and movement rather than none. I I think it's definitely better for their mental health that way. Uh, whether it's harder to negotiate it, like I I've seen now, 
you know, some teenagers are more worried than their parents about making contact <laughs> with other teenagers. And sometimes you have other teenagers who who haven't been have been breaking the rules, if you like, all along or trying to get out there because they, they can't cope with it and be meeting friends and so forth. So I think you still have the the big negotiation between parent teenager and some are they're, they're coping quite quite differently. I, I think it's good that we're having this uh, uh, easing so that you can have small goals for for children to meet friends uh, you know in the park and to set up sort of physically distant games and contacts I think these are all very very important things that are helping I think that you know there's opportunity to negotiate and plan this and how to do it uh, of course that's the challenge for parents to do it well for for, for children. Mm-mm. What kind of uh, emotions uh, do you think they'll be experiencing at this stage? It really, de- it really depends on the child. I think the children are very different and teenagers are very different. So you have to tune into your individual child to know what they're, what's on their mind or what's bothering them or what, whether they're worried about it. Or One child I was talking to the parent was about, they're, they're quite depressed about everything. They, they, they were, met their friend for, um, for the first time outside, you know, just for a walk. And they came home and then they were in tears about that because it was like... Um, you know, as if it's just it's just so unreal and it wasn't the same or something. They just they couldn't even put words in that experience. So, so they were uh, they were very upset about that. Another uh, child didn't want to go out at all. Uh, they they stopped going out. It's a hard work to get them out, even for their parent uh, to get them out during the day uh, when when there's no lockdown. And then other children I've known has been very important and they've made contact with a friend and that's made a big difference and they felt much better about it. Uh, are, are gone out and done something and 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 most of the families I've been working with, um, they're asked to re- like what's the best you know what's the best experience or things that the money it's getting out for the walks getting out for the, uh, getting out you know in the parks and they're the things that have helped kept people going and making, albeit contacts just across the the way where they bump into somebody and they say hello to them, those type of small social connections have made a lot meant a lot to people. John, you mentioned there that some children, like adults indeed, uh, won't feel like getting back into their their former social lives. Um, should parents be worried about that? I think that's something to consider, and and, and I think it's something to 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 worry about. Like I think we're not. I think the I think what's really important here to realise is that we're not going back to normal. <laughs> You know that that we, what we have ahead of us is a very different world. You know um, that it will continue to bring challenges when children are going back to schools. Or going to, there's going to be all new arrangements and things like that if they do get back in September. So, so I think it's different. So you have to really help your children manage all that and help your teenager manage all that step by step. Uh, uh, like like I think what I think as well is very important that we're trying to get um an aware I, 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 an awareness of that how important this is to to really work hard at getting uh children teenagers back to activities back to things as as that that will provide the social and learning opportunities as much as possible. I was very disappointed when they didn't when there hasn't been as much pressure to open up schools like in Ireland as in other countries where where they open up schools even even giving children a few weeks of going back, albeit alternate days or alternate weeks, would make a big difference to their mental health and well-being. Uh, and equally in the summer, a focus on what are they going to do for the summer, like even getting some of the camps back organised, uh, sports camps where even at distance, even at where they can manage the safety and that, would make a huge difference that they were on the calendar for teenagers, at least to plan for, at least to work towards. Uh, uh, that would all make a big difference to their mental health.
Not to paint too bleak a picture, John, but there's a bit of an abyss opening up for for those parents um, where there are no camps, there is no Irish college, no trips away, not work experience even uh, for, for older teens. In short, there is genuinely nothing to do, which is the, the lament of teenagers so often. Is this a problem? It definitely is a problem. As you say, it's the lament of teenagers, there's nothing to do on board. But in this instance, they're spot on. (laughs) And sadly, uh, it is a problem. And that's why you do need to plan with them what they can do. Uh, uh, As I say, I think there's opportunity to, like us, in the society become aware of how big a deal this is that there's that, that, that all these things have stopped for them and to try to make plans around that there's no reason why some camps could open you know uh, there's no reason why some trips could be made for them there's no reason why some activities could be made and keep all the rules of uh, of safety and distance and hygiene uh, and that that would be really important uh, so so on one level i think it is a problem, so we need to try to address it collectively. And then number two, then you need to try to address it individually with your children and you, as a family. So you need to think, you need to try to make a plan for the summer uh, about what you're going to do uh, uh, and following like what's possible. Like as each of the restrictions come down, um, there's going to be some things coming back that you can go lo- a longer distance on your walk or you can make meet more people or you can organise some sort of uh, activity or sport or contact with somebody, uh, you know, so you, you have to try plan creatively. Like one of the big things that makes people feel, um, as you say, staring to the abyss makes people fall into despair if it's all the same and there's nothing to do. Uh, one thing that makes a difference uh, to people's mental health is to have a goal and to have a plan, you know, to be focused on this is what I'm aiming for. Uh, and, and, and your planning on two levels is really important. One is to think, what's my long term plan? There's something I'm aiming for. I want to get back to this camp. I want to get back to this back to school. I want to get back to meeting these friends. Uh, and then on the other level, it's about planning each day so that there's something in each day that people are looking forward to, something that they're doing, something that's enjoyable for them. They're, they're really important to have those goals and plans for, uh, for a child and a parent's mental health. And presumably it's a good idea to involve the children themselves in the making of those plans. But the issue might not be so much what the plan is as motivating your child on a daily basis to actually go and do the things that that you've discussed. Uh, well, well, absolutely. That's why you uh, you have to involve them in the planning and sitting down and thinking what would help, what would what do you want to do, given the situation we're in now. Uh, like I think w- quite often what I happens when. Um, I'm talking to families, they make the plan too big and too difficult. You know, everybody was at the beginning of lockdown. We're going to sort of clean the house, paint the house, you know, learn the ukulele, learn German, you know, <laughs> with all this. And then, of course, they did nothing. And then it's a, and it's a great day if they just get the dinner and get dressed <laughs> and get out for a walk. Uh, uh, and that's the, I'm talking about this very small level of planning like that, that they might, uh, the plan might be they have a meal they like, that they cook, a healthy meal they like, they get out for a walk, uh, they do one small, they read something in a book, they watch a, uh, you watch a TV program that you enjoy together. So um, there's nothing, it's very, very, it's very, very simple, small things that uh, you uh, that make uh, make the difference. Uh, and you also have to realise when you get into a pattern, this is the other thing we're working with, 
which it would be if you if you're a bit depressed or uh, or get in despair about something even small things are very difficult um uh, and it's about then just smoking smoking some uh, a very small goals because if you then say to them listen you have to get out and do this big thing and they can't do it then they feel a failure and then there's conflict and then you, you, you they, they feel worse than they did at the beginning so just small achievements small steps is the way to go when you're changing things Indeed, and I know, know some parents who are now making it their business, having more or less dispatched the educational system uh, to yeah. ensure that their children learn how to do those basic domestic tasks, uh, yeah. hoovering, cook, cook a couple of basic meals, uh, cleaning you know, bathrooms and floors and, and whatever else, and uh, making sure that they have a certain level of competence in that now. Yeah. Well, that's a life skill. I've been saying this for years. I mean, when I do my uh, courses on self-esteem and confidence for children and teenagers, uh, there's a huge amount of evidence to suggest that actually learning to do small basic tasks, cooking, cleaning, DIY, fixing a, a plug, uh, planting seeds, whatever, you know, basic things in the home, they're, uh, they're a huge source to a person's well-being, confidence and self-esteem in fact <laughs> so uh, uh so it, it, uh, you can even say you, you can even measure a person's mental health by their ability to do those things and, and to do them on a regular basis uh so when i'm working with somebody who's very depressed it's about getting just doing very small simple things like that as your biggest boost to their uh, uh, to, to their well-being and self-esteem so you're on the right track there if you do those small things <laughs> uh, overall john children have fared um fairly badly amongst others in this crisis um, and their their social and educational infrastructure has has effectively been dismantled during the, the period. Are there likely to be longer term repercussions from this? I would say so, yeah. Like, um, you know, as you say, the social education have been dismantled uh, for uh, children. They're, they're like that's part of their development and support and support what's what's important protective factor for children and they're and they're growing up it's particularly like schools are so important in the lives of children who are disadvantaged and children with special needs uh, all the evidence is that they are really important protective factors in their well-being so all those children who are marginalized who are the most deprived children in society will have very will will have repercussions from this when they go back to school um their families are probably under much greater stress uh, and and so forth so this is something we'll be coping with uh, for a long period and we need to try to have the social su- uh, supports and the professional supports for families as much as we can to support them through this. John, how should parents be communicating with their children at the moment? But it would like, like a lot of parents when they, they started, uh, they snapped into, they became these homeschool teachers with their with their, with their kids at home. They, they saw the most important thing they were to do was to educate their children at home and adopt homeschooling, and that then that 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 was the greatest stress then on 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 families. There's pressure on the parent and pressure on the on the child to do so much and to replicate the education system which had disappeared. Uh, even before the lockdown, I've uh, I've been advising uh, I, homework and parents getting involved in homework was a ma- massive source of stress on families. And usually, in my, I'm always advising parents to take a step back from that and uh, uh, to really encourage the children to be. It has to be, if you're doing home learning, it has to be something fun and enjoyable if it's going to work at all. So um, the most important thing I say to, to, to parents, the most important thing for them to do is to preserve their relationship with their children. That's absolutely number one. And in practical terms, that means um, finding something each day 
enjoyable to do with their children. If you want to make that, you can't, I can't make it any more practical than that. Something where they have a little connection, something they talk about, something they, um, they, they laugh about, sometimes where they're chatting about ordinary things primarily uh, during the day. That's the same advice for couples, by the way, as well. Uh, um, so the most important thing is to preserve uh, and, and build your relationship. Uh, that's number one. Of course, social media is still with us, John, and hmm. the worry that parents have about their child's uh, social media management, if you like, um, is is potentially accentuated at the moment um, because there is a temptation there for, for children to spend longer on it. Um, are, are, there, are there any things that parents can do to to better manage that, I suppose, and to ensure that their child isn't coming to any harm on social media. Yeah, like, I, like the, the screen time was the like uh, the biggest issue, our biggest source of conflict in families uh, prior to the lockdown. Don't, I don't think that's changed. I think the advice is still the same. I think uh, it, you really have to look, review the whole the whole range of screen times, and some are good and some aren't. Some are better for children than others. Like it's very individual to each child about what screen time means in their life and you want to try to accentuate some of the positives and limit some of the negatives like for example watching some movies and and tv programs are an excellent use of screen time being on social media to connect with friends for a period of day is an excellent use of screen time for isolated children doing zoom calls and contact is an excellent use of screen time it's just then the amount the level and uh, and uh, and so forth so there are people are going to be a more on screens that's there's going to be the that's that's there's a bit of an acceptance of that I think for families, um. But then uh, it's about trying to counteract and balance that. I think it once again is trying to get agreement. It depends again on the age of children trying to get agreement with your children about what the rules are, about screens and trying to keep to those yourselves. Very simple things are no screens at meal times, trying to limit the amount of hours that uh, people are on and and social media, um, no screen uh, reducing screens at night or having a, a cut off point when the uh, when they're not used and and so forth, people can negotiate these rules themselves as families. But trying to get agreement from the children, I think, is the important thing. Have there been any positives out of this crisis uh, for for children, teenagers, or or their parents? Well, in in every crisis, there's things that people can enjoy or people get something out of. When I ask parents and ask families what, um, and I think about my own experience as well, what been has been the silver lining if you like most people say when it's been something uh, useful in their it's something they'd be they might have like something they've done that they haven't done before or something they've had more time to do particularly people often em- emphasize getting out for a walk or connecting with their children or or cooking with their children or things like that that they wouldn't have had time to do before i know i've talked about the stress of some of the homework situations but some people a significant group of parents and children have enjoyed that where parents have sit down and, and done some school work with their children and got into that and that's been a connection they haven't made before so so it, so it's really there's always been a little a little one or two things that have made the difference for families and i think uh, that's a good way of coping as well is actually focusing on the little bits that are really working for you that uh, you've enjoyed finally john uh, you deal with people john in in very difficult domestic situations sometimes um, yes. What kind of, of, of issues are coming up uh, repeatedly and, and how have you changed your work to uh, accommodate uh, all of this? 
Well, the difficult domestic situations is uh, relationships are put under a lot of pressure. Uh, like a, a lot of the way uh, close relationships work is they work better when people are apart <laughs> for for a large amount of the day, like couples relationships. You found your routine together and how you work together, which involves that you work and then you come home and your time is managed. And then now they're being, people are forced together and that's disrupted the whole routine of how they get on. And for some, that's aggravated big issues and brought into loads of conflicts um much like you know you might have a, a retired couple and suddenly they're under each other's feet all day long and they have to renegotiate their relationship so a lot of people aren't doing very well in that territory it's very hard uh, uh, and it's pressurizing them and uh, as you see uh, all the evidence is that uh, in the people who've been in lockdown longer than us in um in like in China and so forth is people uh, when they come out of lockdown they go immediately for the divorce courts there's a huge increases and things like that the, the, what i say to people in, in those situations is just to expect that is to expect that your relationship's going to be under pressure and all, you have a very minimal goal your minimal goal is to just get, get through this civilly you know in a way <laughs> with a bit of patience and uh, and and so forth and not um uh, people often uh, think they have to sort of um get they get they want to get into the conflict and they, they escalate con- when, when actually it's just de-escalate conflict uh, focus on just getting on getting through this together finding something nice that you can do uh, still keeping time apart in the routine is really crucial as well as time together and when you have time together try to in, in a routine of something that's nice that you do together rather than just bickering about something so there's lots of very simple things you can do so, so certainly supporting domestic rela- uh, relationships in this situation in the in lockdown is very important John thanks very much my thanks to Declan Conlon who produced today's podcast and thanks for listening stay up to date with the latest developments at irishtimes.com We'll be back tomorrow.